Welcome to this topical life. Real conversation, real exploration, real life stories. A discussion about life, cause life ain't a vacation. And now, here's your host, Tiffany Murphy. Hello and welcome back to this topical life. Today we have Pam Pierce, Fierce Pierce here. Um, We are continuing our conversation on alcoholism and today's topics we are talking about number one, well maybe not in this particular order, but basically covering prevention. Huge, huge, huge um, component to alcoholism and your families and figuring um, all of the things out. Also, how to identify um, how to identify alcoholism and what does it look like? And one topic I didn't really kind of mention to Fierce Pierce was, uh, how, when you're identifying, uh, maybe how to approach someone who is, you think, you know, struggling and the elephant in the room that everyone knows someone's an alcoholic, but doesn't know how to approach it and what that looks like. And, um, we've all kind of been there in some sense. Um, also in, in prevention, talking about, what you might not be talking about in your family that you should probably be bringing up. And so we have some resources. Um, Pam is a very active person in the community on this topic. And um, I'm just looking forward to continuing what we started. And Pam, um, yeah, so Fierce Pierce. (laughs) So prevention, okay? That is the heart for you, I feel like. It is. I When I... When I think about this, when um, the conversations that I have, whether it's on the phone with family members or if it's something I'm sharing with people publicly or the group of um, students that I have at Westland High School, prevention is the cure uh, to substance use disorders. And, and you know, I like to kind of finish out that sentence by sharing. So understanding that prevention is the cure. Um, because again, if you if you don't ever use drugs or alcohol, ever, um, you're not going to have a drug or alcohol problem. So again, prevention is the cure. But until we as a, a society, as a culture, um, communities, families, until we actually understand what that means, what prevention is, uh, prevention needs to be knowing where to go for help. Um, because this is a topic, drug and alcohol problems and concerns are a topic people, we don't know how, how to talk about them until we're in crisis. And then we have to talk about them because we can no longer hide X, Y, and Z. And so understanding that it's, it's learning to be able to start the conversations with your kids, with your young kids, And I mean, my kids have known that I'm a person in recovery their entire life. I, they understand it. And, you know, from their young person brain, um, it's always been, they, they know that both grandfathers were, uh, um, suffered from alcoholism. Um, both are deceased because of it and they, they understand this. And so again, in families, conversations are everything. And it's not one conversation. It's, it's many tiny little conversations. And being clear with your children and honest with your children. Um, I, 
in the prevention group that I lead at Westland High School. What is that called again? For um, no, the Teen Advisory Board. So okay, the prevention yeah. organization that I lead is Community Living Above. Right. And right. the um, I I do the work in the high school. One of the things I always say to the high schoolers: I am not here to tell you not to do drugs and alcohol. That's not drugs and alcohol are just substances. They're and we've given them way too much power. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just they're just things. And um, so I'm not here to tell you don't do drugs and alcohol because the truth is some people get to. Some people get to drink and use drugs and it won't ever do anything. Yeah. And I again and I, I may have said this earlier, I'm not diabetic, and so I get to eat sugar and I could sometimes overindulge in sugar and I don't have to think through insulin and blood sugar levels. And I, so I always say I lucked out on that. So, um, but drugs and alcohol, absolute, they go into my body, doesn't work. And so I say to the high schoolers, this is about getting you the information you need to make informed and educated decisions on for yourself. Mm-hmm. And so, and then learning to how to have the conversations with your friends, because most of us, I would argue, probably all of us have seen, as I refer to the beast, that something feels off, a friend, a family member, I'm not sure what it is. And especially when you're a young person, when you're middle school or high school, you have those feelings, whether it's your parent or a sibling, it's like something's off. And yet nobody likes to talk about it. So a child will follow suit, a child will say, I guess we don't talk about this, even though, you know, it wreaks havoc on our family or my friend got in trouble and I don't know what to say. But there's those feelings that something is off and something's wrong. Um, And so we talk about ways. How do you have those conversations? How do you say to a friend in a culture where we're all kids do it? It's a rite of passage. And so everyone feels that even though we don't say you know, like there are no rules that say all kids do it, but our culture has created that. Like, oh, it's totally fine. They'll grow out of it. Um, most of us don't. Um, but uh, giving a, a teenager, a, an adolescent, the tools to be able to say to a friend, hey, I'm not sure, but X, Y, Z, it didn't work for you. Um, and learning to be able to say it without judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, because the truth is, and I had I had a few people in my life that it's it, it's actually very courageous, and you mean someone to say to say to yes that yeah. Pam something's, something's off, um, you know. And at the, at the time, you're angry and you don't want to hear it. But if you think about it, take the emotion out of it. For a young person, for a teenager to to share with another teenager to find the courage to say, hey, something's off when you drink or use, that person is not only incredibly courageous, they love you. Mm-hmm. They care enough about you to say, hey, I'm concerned. And yet, what we've created when someone says, hey, dude, something is, uh, we get angry, we isolate that person, like they're, it's none of your business. I mean, think about it. Think how courageous and they loved you enough to actually take that risk. And so I try to encourage the high schoolers, 
should that should you be the person that receives that message um take it to heart allow that seed to be planted um because it's really really important because no one no one wants to have to say that to a friend or a family member and so if people are sharing that information with you just try to absorb it allow it to be part of the healing process um yeah it's 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 people will say that it's like the hardest thing oh the hardest thing to do yep and you know and again trying to equip these young people families um Mm -hmm. communities with the information um and ways to be able to share with each other i'm concerned and um, and again, prevention's the cure, mm-hmm. but knowing where to go to for help um, is kind of how I look at prevention right now, because uh, most people don't want to deal and don't deal with this issue until they're in crisis, and most of us aren't good in a crisis. It's right. trying to make a decision and, you know, a healthy decision, um, and so you're left to the mercy of just chaos and frantic and... Um, Again, it's hard to be able to be healthy and make wise choices um, when you're scared. But these young people, it's it's trying to identify it. What does it look like? Um, more than 50% of a substance use disorder, is a genet- there's a genetic component. And so, again, it's talking with our families. And, again, when I share this with high schoolers, I always say, don't go back to your families and start counting drinks on your parents. Yeah. Um, it, it's just asking questions, learning and trying to take judgment out of it. So if your parents are like, why are you asking that? It's I'm just trying to learn and identify. And it's or it, even if the parents that don't drink. Right. It's like saying, why, why don't, don't you drink? Why don't you? And again, it's it's understanding. It could be a religious reason Mm -hmm. um but a lot of times i find when parent when families will say to me well my parents don't drink why why don't they drink there's usually a component somewhere in that family line you know my whether it was a grandfather and um there's always a reason and a story and those stories need to be shared with our children because that's the first line of being able to defend themselves and understanding that it's not that drug and alcohol use is bad it's Again, we've given it way too much power. It's just that, like being diabetic, um, understanding if it's in your family, uh, how many people has it affected in your family? Because if both grandparents and your uncle and blah, blah, are in recovery or passed away from it, it's like that is really important information to have. Um, It also comes in different shapes and sizes, just like cancer or being diabetic. Um, I'm a binge user. And which means that if I have one, I'm going to have many. Uh, I don't have an off button. Um, I took a genetic test that actually showed that, that that is the strain of alcoholism that um, I'm genetically vulnerable to, uh, as are my children. I had a genetic test with them as well, and it was the same thing that showed up, which is fascinating. My father had the same thing. Um, And I I think... thinking through um, binge use is dangerous because we can rationalize, well, I haven't had a drink in a month or I haven't used in a month and, 
or I only do it on Fridays, but it's, it encompasses, if we're brutally honest, it encompasses a, its daily thoughts and because you're planning it, you're thinking about it, um, and then you probably go overboard when you do do it because um, it's always with you. It's, a, it's, it's, it's in your head and it doesn't leave your head. Um, then there are the people who suffer with the 24 hours a day and have to have it physically and wake up with shakes and understanding what it looks like. And um, a simple definition is anytime it creates consequences. And so I, and those consequences for the most part start small. Um, oops, you know, my kid got suspended from school. Um, and it's important to understand most children don't get suspended from school. And it's not that it's a bad thing. It's again, it's just a thing. It's starting to identify, uh oh, consequences are coming, whether they're directly related to drugs and alcohol or indirectly. And again, it's not a judgment as in bad. It's it's understanding what it looks like and what when the signs start to appear. Um, grades falling, changing friends. Um, I always, I, in the after school uh, recovery piece, and I was actually talking about this yesterday, you know, we always refer to those children who use drugs and alcohol. Um, it, it's like, more often than not, those children are gifted. Those children are exceptionally more often than not, bright and intuitive and very sensitive and deep feeling. Um, and then they get, you know, they get introduced to drugs and alcohol. And of course, drugs and alcohol, Chris Heron, who's a famous basketball player that just does amazing work in the prevention and treatment and recovery arena. He always says, when he speaks to high schoolers, if I were to share, he goes, if I were to come into this gymnasium and say, hey, I want everyone to bring in a picture of a drug or alcohol, you know, person that suffers. He said, the truth is you're going to bring pictures in of people at the end stages of drug and alcohol problems. He goes, I mean, what do you think? We start like that? Yeah. And point. it's so true. It's like we all start Typically, you know, young in high school with red solo cups and in people's basements. And we think, oh, this is great. And some of us don't get to choose to walk away yeah, because the brain gets hijacked and we're on. Yeah. And again, our culture has created one that we're like, no, 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 they all, they'll grow out of it. It's just, it's a stage and it's not true for a, a, the majority of us. It's not true. Um, things start to happen. Again, consequences show up, MIPs. Um, it, you could keep letting it happen, letting it happen, letting it happen. Yep. And then where that line is drawn is different for everybody as far as, you know, but but what I like what you're saying is is that draw the line from the beginning. Yes, because again, if you're if you have substance use disorders in your family mm -hmm. and you're... 90% of us that are in recovery today, and I think the number is like 23 million, there's something most of us have in common, and that is that we all started young. And so again, if you have this in your family, if it's you, if it's your parents, siblings, aunts, uncles, and you start to have consequences with your kid, you know, your child, and you're like, hmm, 
I encourage people, start leaning in, start asking the questions. Because again, this isn't, as a parent, you didn't fail. Matter of fact, the faster you can jump in and try to find help and support for your child, start talking about it, name it, find out what it is, talk to people. Um, the healing starts. The healing starts. And again, the younger we can get kids the supports that they need um, to, to live healthy lives, I mean, the sooner the better. Yeah. If we can stop them at 14 years old and find all the supports they need to live in a sober state, mm -hmm. um, get them out into the 20s where the brain, you know, they say 25 is like the perfect age. It seems, I mean, when you're sitting there with a 14-year-old, that seems like a lifetime away. But put it in little tiny bite-sized pieces. It's like, let's just deal with this right now. And then let's just get through this week. It's like, we don't have to say to them, you have to stay, you know, sober until you're 25 years old. That's impossible to a child. It's like, uh-uh. Yeah. You know, but there, it's like. It's already shut down. That's right. It's like, let's just deal right now. <laughs> um, talk about, again, your family and the, the genetic component. Because mm -hmm. we cannot change genetics. It's like, that is what it is. Mm -hmm. Women that have a mother that passed away from breast cancer, they have to have that conversation. They have to. Mm -hmm. And they're going to check the box and then the doctors. Are, I mean, it's like that's always going to follow you. This is the same thing. And again, the, I, the good thing about substance use disorders, and I've said this to my kids, if you don't start, you don't know like what you're missing or not. It's it, you just don't know. So let's just keep doing what we're doing um in in the hopes that maybe you're going to get to as an adult i i don't know um but it's worth fighting for me to be able to make sure that they have that information because no one came to me and said hey fyi what your father has you actually have a high genetic component and you chances are if you start young you're going to have it too i didn't know that I just jumped right in and it's like, oops, now my father's dead and I'm sober. It's like, boy, that was not. And so, again, it is a preventable thing, but we have to talk about it and we have to talk about it early. And, you know, and two is a couple things um, back to when you said when you're uh, identifying like when someone comes to you and says, hey, you know, I think you might have a problem and stuff. My brother told me once that he's a therapist and um, one of the things that therapists do when a pay, when someone comes into their office and they say they might have a substance problem or they're trying to figure out if they do, the therapist will ask, there's three questions and one of them for sure will be, has anyone ever told you you have a problem? Yes. And that is a reason for you to tell somebody to plant that seed, even if they don't agree with you. And that was just enough motivation for me to be like, hmm, mm -hmm. okay, you know, because I know it's scary to approach that, you know. And then also when you're saying you you are just such a great example of breaking stigma because what I, what I think is so funny is like when you had said you went to the office for the first time, you were like it was after college and, you know, mm -hmm. dressed the nines. Oh, yeah. Totally like I don't have a problem. And the therapist goes – what, you don't think you have this disease? I mean, that speaks volumes all across the board oh, yeah. because I think most of us 
with because of our pride or because mm-hmm. of what things look like or because of what has been shown to us yeah. and hidden even yeah. that it is hard to be transparent it's hard to yep. well i don't look like a alcohol user surely i'm not right right you know and, and the the effort and the amount of energy that goes into trying to act like everything keep your shit together yeah it, it's and the truth is, the people that are close to you, they already know. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. how much stuff you have on the outside or it doesn't matter the car. People that love you and that are close to you, they already know. And typically, the person who suffers is the last one to say the words out loud. Um, and that, and again, the, the blessing is, and I try to encourage people that are at those final stages where, wow, I have to make this decision, and um, your family is still with you, mm-hmm. and they've already experienced the ups and downs, the good, the bad, and the really ugly, and they're still with you, and they already know. You're the last to know. Which can feel crappy. It's terrible. It, it's a terrible feeling. It's a terrible feeling. Because Be- nobody ever comes into recovery going god this is great this is the best day of my life i cannot believe i mean it's always it feels like the end of the world and it feels like how am i ever going to do x you know how am i ever going to have a good time how am i ever going to the truth is the the relief that that you feel physically emotionally and spiritually when you finally make that decision i I, it's hard to put into words it's hard to put into words i have a a girlfriend who describes um, being in recovery. It's like, it's a gift wrapped in a very funny box. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, and I've said that uh, uh, for, for me, it's, I've been blessed. I've been blessed beyond measure by it. And it's, you know, again, because of the, ge- the genetic component is so, it's a huge um, part and piece of substance use disorders it's breaking cycles. It's breaking chains in our family. None of this. There is no cure. There is no way to make it work. Um, you can't manage it, you know, like manage using. You can manage being in recovery. Um, but it's breaking the cycle. It's breaking how we viewed it as a family. And with my older daughter, she and I were driving somewhere a few years ago, and I asked her, so when dad and I entertain big or small, do you associate that with drinking? Mm-hmm. And she looked at me like, no, why? And I, uh, tears started to stream down my face because I'm like, she doesn't associate it with drinking. I do. I've been in recovery for 24 years. And I, when I have people over, it, and it gets better, but the thoughts are still there. Is there enough for everyone to have? And my version of enough is is so skewed, you know, Mm -hmm. and, but my kids, because it's not a focus, my husband is normal, and I'm in recovery. um, It's not a focus for my children. And that's breaking the chains. That's breaking the the cycle of the disease in in our family, because they haven't seen it up close and personal. I mean, I still have my crazy moments where I have to, I have to take care of myself and makes, you know, because if I'm not rested, I'm a nightmare. And I'm very sensitive and emotional. And so my kids deal with stuff like that. And really? I, oh, yeah. Just kidding. It's like, whew. Uh, but they have I can, it, I'm but there too, yeah. They have it too. 
I mean, they're Mm -hmm. deep, deep feelers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, trying to have those conversations as a family, it's like we acknowledge that we're deep feelers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I, it's, it's part of, again, it's a gift, but under the influence, it becomes a lethal weapon Mm -hmm. Um, for those of us that should our brains get hijacked. But, um, and my, my children, because I've always been in recovery, they don't, and I've asked the question is, is, do you feel shame or embarrassed that I'm in recovery and that, and they're like, no, no, because they've seen, um, the gifts of being vulnerable with other people and the, again, the blessings that come back. It's like, I, I look at it, I get to see humans in very vulnerable times and we don't have to go there's no smoke and mirrors it's like we get to jump in and be human and flawed together and it's incredibly it's an amazing it's it's amazing and again I feel like it's such a blessing on me to be able to see people and be able to help them and um one of the things I get asked is can I do I do I pay you Pam and that's like no way you pay it forward it's like pay it forward because to be able to encourage another person to share their story it's like do not from this day forward don't ever keep it in your head tell everyone who will listen and you know in the conversations don't have to be these massive over the top it's like little tiny conversations um, starting with your kids when they're little, just, you know, my son asked me when he was probably six or seven years old, adults drink beer and you don't like, wh- why is that? And I just said, I'm allergic to it. I mean, that's how we started the conversation. And I answered his questions. Honestly, um, I didn't dump on him. Oh, you know, it's like, I have this grandpa has it. And he's like, Oh, do I have it? You could, but we'll watch it. Well, and these days, too, with the genetic testing that you can do, yep. and, I mean, they, those speak for themselves. And so yes. it's it's like all the work is kind of more done based on than when it was in the past. Absolutely. I mean, you can just point to statistics. You can point to, um, like, one thing that you had made a connection with was is that Parkinson's yes. and alcoholism it definitely plays a component yep. to each other. Yep. And... So there's evidence now. Yes. And and I'm hoping um, that that will take away the denial piece. Right. Because denial. And some pride. It, yes. Even? Denial is pride. more powerful. Mm-hmm. It, it keeps you in, in the bondage for way too long. It, it's like I always encourage people. It's like drop. If you could picture yourself trying to juggle all these balls in the air because it's a lot of effort when you're when you're the person who suffers or you're in the family that is suffering um with someone that has a substance use disorder there are so many balls in the air I mean you are trying to the finances the perception um everyone's emotional health in the family it's like you are working so incredibly hard and just to acknowledge it to name it, it's like the balls will start to drop and hit the ground. And then your job is not to bend over and pick them up. It's like, just let them hit the ground. And again, it's terrifying because you've been doing it, juggling for so long. 
And it's like that the denial keeps them up in the air. It's like, stop it. Stop it. Because again, if it were any other disease, if it were cancer or, or someone is diabetic, we would not keep the balls up in the air with denial. We would not say to our children, um, quit drinking all that water. Just you're fine. You're, you know, or if they fell asleep driving a car and hit somebody, um, if, if, if it was because of a, you know, insulin reaction or what have you, I don't know the words for, um, the diabetic stuff, but we would not, it's, we would do something about it. Like, oh, okay, we need to tweak X, Y, and Z. But you know, this disease, if we were to, I mean, drunk driving is massive. Mm -hmm. It's my grandfather was killed by a drunk driver. Um, there are consequences and you got to do something about it. You can't say, Oh, I've only had one DUI or I've, it's like, those are, those are consequences. Those are huge red flags. Yes. And again, there are people out there that have had, um, you know, consequences like a DUI or a consequence, um, and continue and, you know, rearrange their lives and, and do the work. But for the most part, those are, those are the consequences we're talking about. And you got to start don't let denial creep in there because again, it prolongs, you don't need to suffer. It's like there is hope and healing. There is absolute peace. The peace that we desire, it exists and it's better than you can, than you imagine. Um, but you have the conversations. That's how it begins. Hope and healing is just by naming it, naming it, bringing it to the light. Have you have to, you have to, um, is there a way to halfway do it? Like, give me, let me give you an example because yeah. I know there's people like, I want to pay devil's advocate here because, yeah, because I, you know, some of us want to drink our alcohol and not have a problem. Yeah. And so most of us do, most of us do. And me personally, this is how I handle alcohol is that I live knowing a lot. And I, I live knowing that I'm always one step away from making a wrong choice and that prevents me from making a wrong choice. <laughs> and that's just my coping way of it. Um, you know, in my genetic, there's a lot of depression, anxiety, and all those kind of things. And I think that even though there's really not necessarily alcoholism, I think alcohol could easily be a coping For sure. to dealing with that, right? So genetically, is it, you know, and there's looking back in periods of my life, I think that it could have easily taken a turn in that way mm-hmm. for sure, which is probably why I'm like, more on the preventative side already um, because of what uh, what I've seen and just educating myself more or less on myself. Um, but I did, there was a point where, you know, with anxiety and depression where someone approached me and said, you know, I think you're struggling with this. And the stigma with me was always there because I have, my mother was, uh, bipolar one and never really truly diagnosed correctly. And so I always had the notion of, well, Tiffany's going to be, you know, she's going to go off the rocker a little bit, you know, that kind of thing. And I had to live with that. So I've always been kind of like, well, when I turn 20 something, I'm probably not going to be who I am like bizarre. Okay. But with that said though, when it actually did come into fruition, as far as like actually I do am struggling, you know, Mm -hmm. that was so, it was so hard to admit that even though living in a place of humble, like 
I could be this, I could be that, you know, and all that. And then to just, because this is why, because I didn't understand. Right. I didn't want to be anxiety. I didn't want to live my life like that. And why do we think it's bad? Like, right. It's like, just, what, okay, this is the gap. Yeah. Like, let's bridge this gap of. We're human. Yes. By definition, we it's are okay. imperfect. We are imperfect. You listening, I don't give a, you're imperfect. Yes. And, and it's You did okay. something imperfect today. Right. And it it's always going to be that. It's like, mm-hmm. we're human and we just have to hope that our imperfections don't show up on the same day so that we can see and help each other. We're designed to live in community and help each other. Yeah. And that means our, our imperfections are okay and that there are tools to deal with them. And to mm-hmm. answer your question, anxiety, depression, ADD, ADHD, all, those are precursors. Um, you know, dopamine is one of the things that's really important to understand because when you suffer from anxiety it's suffers not it's like that's not even the appropriate word it's like when you have this yeah um there's lots of ways to support yourself okay healthy overall wellness Mm -hmm. um if you're thinking because again drugs and alcohol in that immediate window you're gonna think you're okay and that is not that will just that little tiny window then becomes a bigger window and you're using it more and more because again in that little tiny window when you're feeling anxious or whatever and you have a cocktail or smoke pot or whatever it is pills your brain that in that one little moment. exactly that hit of you're able to float or whatever you want to call it you think you're okay you think you're coping yep you are not it's like that is a lie yes it is <laughs> it is a lie and so it's really um, important to take care of yourself. Like if you know you have any mental health um, issues or concerns, go after it, learn about it. How do you take care of yourself? Is it sleep, um, food? I mean, and by the, it's not easy. It's not easy. Yeah. You know, the easy way is to throw back a cocktail and, and then justify and rationalize it. And well, it's five o'clock somewhere. It's like, not when you suffer, Not if it's in your family, not if you have anxiety or depression. It's like, do not make light of, don't make a joke about it. Yeah. Because people are dying. And because it starts there, the, you know, the. They didn't wake up this way. Nope. It's the normal, functioning. Right. Healthy-ish. Because we're not all perfectly healthy. That's right. But people. Yes. And, you know, the, the other concept too, knowing our family histories, um, and again, it starts with mental health. I mean, substance use disorders are under the big mental health umbrella. It's just, it's a, it's another one of the things. things. And um, if, it, I always think to myself, you know, I was with someone over the weekend um, and we had just gone to a meeting and I asked the question, I, do you know that you're different and um, and That's what that person said to you? I, and I asked oh, the yes, question. Okay. Because this is the thing. When people come to me and they want to, hey, can I ask you a question and, you know, about drugs and alcohol typically? And um, how do you know if you have a problem? And 
I like to say to them. Oh, boy. <laughs> I can see where this well, is going. Well, we're not having a conversation right now about cancer. Do you know why? Because I know I don't have it. And you know you don't have it. So we're not going to have a conversation about that. How about sugar? Should we talk about sugar? Of course not. Why? Because I'm not diabetic. And neither are you. So if we're having a conversation about drugs and alcohol, I, and I like to say to them, be ready. Be ready to have that conversation. Because the minute you've opened it up, which is a great thing, I always honor oh, people for saying it out absolutely. loud. Um, because... That's the one step. Really. That, that's the first step. And again, it's the, it, it is the hope and healing is coming. Yeah. When you've identified, hey, so can I ask you? It's like, keep asking me. Keep having that conversation. Because again, we are not going to have a conversation about radiation or chemotherapy. It's yeah. like, do we just start that conversation out of thin air? Like, hey, I've never thought about it, but hey, what is it like? It's like, we're not having that conversation because we are not, our brain is not thinking, uh-oh, I need to think about this. And the reason we're thinking about drugs and alcohol is because the brain, it's like, we know. We're thinking we about know drugs and way down in that dark place. It's like, oh, shoot, I think this could be an issue. So I always, you know, when people jump in the treatment and then recovery, I'm like, do you know you're different? Yes. Have you always known you were different? Yep. And I mean, when I, when I go out and speak publicly about it, I was actually sitting on a panel and there were uh, four or five of us and I was the last one in the, in the line. And it was fascinating. Each person down the line said, I've always known I was different. And so that it's like a one, com yes. that's the one communal thing that yes. people have that. And, um, I was, really cool. yeah. And again, different's not bad. It's just, it's just different. It's like, you probably feel relieved at that point. Massive. You found your Again, people. you dropped the balls. You're, you're, you can look around and. You and found your P tribe. That's right. And you can talk about whatever. Um, and I love it. I mean, to be able to jump in the deep end with people and feel that freedom because uh, when people share what they consider, you know, the dark and um, stormy times of life, we think that that's bad. Like people are going to look at us differently. And it's just it's asking people for space to be able to let me get it out of my head. I'm not asking, you know, that, you know, people aren't asking for like <laughs> miracles. They're just it's like I need to tell you and it's and then honor that person like I hear you, you know. You well, and back to like, um, you know, you've mentioned a lot about when someone asks you or at this meeting, at that meeting. I mean, if you haven't caught on already, uh, Pam is very, very, very in deep with um, the community in this subject, but also around and, you know, this kind of thing. But she has this reputation of in the in the community that it is that you literally show up to someone's doorstep. You don't care oh, yeah. who it is, what, I mean, we got to unpack this a little bit because yeah. I just think it's a phenomenal part about you and that I think people, you know, it is one thing for someone to say, you know, okay, yeah, I want to ask you the question, but it takes a someone person, a special person to, for someone to even approach someone to even ask that question. Let's just say that because you might not want to talk about, but I do because I think you know, like with you saying when someone said, Hey, can I pay you? 
I think I know where that's coming from because right. you literally are doing something that's probably worth a gajillion dollars. You basically will show up for anyone, any time, um, no matter where, what. I mean, I don't, I, it's, um, well, make, it makes me cry because it, it's, it's such an honor. Um, and in a weird way, the little addict part of, in my brain, um, it's the best high I've ever had. Yeah. To be able to feel that rush of, in a weird way, I'm almost excited for the person because I want to say to him, welcome home. Yeah. This is who you are. And everything you think about yourself from, you know, starting from the very beginning, we are deep feeling, highly sensitive, incredibly intuitive people, um, bright, gifted in different ways, incredibly. And I look when I get that call and I get to go sit with that person and for them, it's like, it's life ending. And I know that it's just the beginning that everything that they want and desire is literally in one decision. They're one decision away from absolute transformation. And again, when you're sitting in the crisis and the consequences, it feels like the world is ending. And I just encourage people, this is, the tools of recovery are an incredible blessing. It is learning to be still. It is learning to tell the truth. It is learning to do the next right thing and not all at once. This is minute by minute by minute. And when I get to sit with someone and say to them, welcome home, you are now part of this tribe. You've always been part of the tribe and intuitively they know that, um, but welcome home. Because now we get to be real and we get to live in community together um, and laugh at the stuff that's scary because it fear is massive, massive. Uh, so, but I mean, literally, though, you do show up at someone's. Oh, I do. I, and, and Let's talk about Jessica, because <laughs> Jessica was on the podcast. She was in the yes. very beginning. And I know she she did talk about you and how it happened. Mm -hmm. But I mean, she was open with her story. So I'm yep, yep. assuming. She would tell me how that went down exactly. Like it's as far as just and it, it, it's a it, it's a process. It's right. a process for people. Yeah, and I, I shared this earlier. It's like when there's a family member who suffers, the family knows, mm -hmm. and the person, the the individual who suffers, they're the last ones to say, you know, know. like plain tag, not it. It's like. And so, um, typically that, that people are given my information and, you know, a family member will say, I I've given your number to my husband or blah, blah, blah. And, um, they want immediate connection. Like they're in their minds, they've given their person the, my number and they want an immediate connection. And it's a process. Like they want person wanted you to call you just right like away. That. Yes. Or they want me to call that person. And so sometimes I, I it's kind of a feeling that will come and it's intuition Intuitive. that will say to me, yes, it's appropriate to call, or I'm just going to text this person and say, Hey, I'm here. If you are welcome to call me, text me, however, whatever feels right. Um, and you know, sometimes people will start the process by texting me 
you know, it just a few times. And but I know the end of the story. There will we will always meet, and it, it's it's welcoming them into it. And um, but yeah, sometimes if someone does call right off, you have to. There's a there's a very small window. Um, and, and where they're vulnerable enough. Yes, where they're they're ready okay. to t- you know to ha- take a deep breath and start leaning into it and so you have to jump in that and grab it um and that's why like in our treatment world it, the fact that we don't have places for people to go because the window is small when they're like okay I'm ready um and to be told then well you, we can't get you in till six weeks from now I mean my brain goes to well, I'll just how many drinks of, exactly can I have till that exactly. point goes. And a lot of times, you know, people will die because it, oh, it's wow, like we're yeah. going to go for it big time. Um, right. But again, if, if there's an opportunity and I'm on the phone with someone, um, it's it's better to get in front of them so that they can see that, A, I'm not scared. This this whole thing is not scary to me. I, I know, again, going back to the hope and healing, I know with 100 percent certainty that hope and healing is possible. I have seen what the time and time again, what the human spirit, the capacity to, to heal, to be, I mean, the transformation is miraculous. It is miraculous what, what the human spirit can do. Um, and we don't, we're not doing this alone. Mm-hmm. The disease wants you alone. It wants you isolated. It wants you in fear. It wants in all the ugly stuff. That's what it wants. And so it's just to constantly encourage people. We have to get in front of each other. We have to talk to each other. Um, I have a, a text of a group of women that were all in various stages of recovery. And, you know, we'll send memes back and forth and just encouraging things. And, hey, you know, help me off the ledge on this yeah. one it just, probably comes with a dark sense of humor oh it's hilarious yeah because <laughs> again you have once, to have you have yes, it once have it. once healing you get some healing in there yeah it is you have to laugh right i mean it's a component right there there are actually it was always there yes and there are actually comedians who um are in recovery and mm-hmm. i've been to a couple of the shows I laugh. I mean, I can't even catch my breath because and the, I was with my husband one time um, and he's normal and we were listening to this comedian and I'm literally crying and I, I cannot catch my breath. And a normal person to listen to what these guys are talking about are like, oh, my God, really? Like, it's so ugly. And, and my husband's kind of chuckling. But I'm crying. And the best part of it, too, I, I was out at Hazelden, and um, some of the people there are patients. And um, right behind me was a woman puking into a trash can. Oh. You know, because it's part of the process as she heals the physical healing. And she's trying to throw up and laugh. And um, oh and I, I it, it just made it funnier. Like, this right. is what we are. I right. mean, and it's okay. It's just part of the process. But yes, man, when I get that call, nothing can stop me from getting to that person's house. Nothing. Because it, it's like, it's divine intervention. And yeah. whatever You're that living per- it. Yep. And whatever that person needs to hear, um, 
I, it's like I'm there to deliver it because again, you know, it's also important when getting in front of people, it's like, I have it too. And you will never own this. You will never, it's, you got to pay rent every single day. And, you know, there's different paths to healing. Um, but you have to touch it every day. The, the days that you're like, no, nah, I'm too tired or whatever the excuse is. Um, it, it, it's at it's risk. A, yep. It's a slippery slope, man. Cause that You're day turns into two to three. And then all of a sudden it's like, God, how did I end up back here? It's like, it's quickly, you're quickly, you will end up back there. And so it's talking to friends. It's taking, you know, again, sleep and how, what you eat and all the stuff. I mean, I get, I'm actually, I get resentful about because I believe people with substance use disorders were very sensitive beings, mm -hmm. physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Um, we Self-care is really important. Yeah. And I get so, I just ordered off Amazon eight bags of those stupid Reese's minis. And I'm like, eight bags? <laughs> Who the hell orders eight bags? And when right. it came in the mail, I'm like, God's so embarrassing. But it's like, that's not taking care of myself. That's right. emotional eating. It's, um, but I'm aware of it. I mean, that's why I sent you the picture. It's like, right. damn it, I have to confess this. God, I just, yeah. I went right into it, you know, thinking I'm just going to eat those, screw it. But it's, I acknowledge it. It's like, that's what it is. Right. It's like. The more you acknowledge it, the freer you are. Oh, yeah. It's just. And it's funny. Yeah, it's, it is funny. I'm like, I, I don't know anyone that's ever ordered eight bags of. Were there, was there a sale? No. Because eight, why just, not 10, you know, just because. <laughs> Because of all the crazy in the world right now. You're saving someone? But like, I those two like, bags need to go I, I to somebody looked, else? I looked on Amazon, and I saw, you know, the one bag, and then I saw eight, and I'm like, again, price. this is an addict's brain. I'm like, well, if one is good, eight has to be better. Right. So I go big or go home, man. So I'm like, oh, I'll get the eight. I mean, I'll just save them. <laughs> I'm not saving them. Right. Forget it. What so. is it about those cups, though? Because... Oh. There is, it is a protein chocolate all combination. I mean, we could justify <sighs> could it all day, long. all day long. I know. Yeah, for sure. I know. For sure, for sure. But so with you showing up to someone's house, so literally because because there is a time where if that person finally just breaks down, it's the, oh, yeah, all yeah. the balls have dropped, they're laying on the floor, they know that their next brainwave is going to be, how do I even make the next step? Yeah. So you show up and then you, with you, tools, with tools. Yeah. Yes. So do you have like, so you have people that call insurance? Like, this is what I thought was so remarkable. Yes. about Jessica's story is that because I think a part of, you know, people that are rock bottom, mm -hmm. it's like, how do you even get back up? If you are really willing to be rock bottom, yeah, that means not knowing how to get back up. Yep. So I want to say something okay. quickly about rock bottom. Okay. Um, that's where prevention needs to come in. Nobody needs to ever hit rock bottom because rock bottom in the substance use disorder world mm -hmm. is the disease will take everything you have, everything, financial, your family, your pride. I mean, it will take everything. Okay. So you don't need to hit that rock bottom. We need to identify it way earlier. Mm -hmm. And um, again, this isn't going to happen overnight. Because I, a I, lot of people say, oh, well, they need to hit rock bottom yeah. before they realize. Mm -mm. No, we, that doesn't the have to be is, the case. We need to be educated on identifying it faster. Mm -hmm. And people in recovery, 
we can identify it faster because we've seen it played over and over and over and over again. Um, but again, our culture, we don't, we don't want to hear it. It's like, if you have it in your family and your kid's already getting suspended and, and has had, you know, run-ins with the law or whatever, it's like, pay attention. Yeah. It, and it, again, it's not bad. It's just a thing. It's like, ask for help. Mm-hmm. There's lots of different ways to help. Um, well, I mean, look at it as this breast cancer, you know, it's running rapid, mm-hmm. right? So you, if you're a woman, you're probably asking someone, dude, this person have breast cancer. Right. In fact, your doctor re- requires that's it. Right. That's right. If everybody was an alcoholic, I bet you that would be a that's huge right. thing, that's but right. that's it's right. the same thing. It's the same thing. Um, and so when I go, you know, meet with an individual or family, um, there is a process to this. There are tools and I want, I want them to have it. Like it's real. This helps. Um, you know, today there are different pathways, you know, to healing, um, depending on whatever strain you have or how often you're using, or, you know, again, these are, you need to find someone who can ask you these questions and you're going to answer honestly, because there may be, it's like, you, you need in, you know, residential treatment, you're going to need it for this many, this length of time. Mm -hmm. Or, um, if it's a young person, maybe it's an intensive outpatient program, you know, wilderness helps kids kind of take, take a break, you know, start new and, you know, different ways to do things and be able to take care of themselves. Um, but there is a process. And the day I got sober, um, I'd never met a person in recovery, um, I don't, you know, I guess I'd heard of AA, but it's like, how do you, how do you do this? And I ended up going to an outpatient program. And, um, again, I, I think back and I'm like, I must've looked it up in the yellow pages. I don't know. What did I even look up? I, um, and so I want people to know when they reach out, I'm in it with you and you're not wasting my time. You're not taking up my time. It's like, this is part of it. And again, being a person in recovery, it's, you know, the 12 step we serve, we it's service. You're helping other people. You're reaching out, you're doing this. It's like, that's part of this. And, and the truth is it feels great. Mm -hmm. I, I, it's like, it's out of body for me. And I, I just, with every inch of my being, I want that person to know there's, there's a process. You are going to be okay. And you now get to relax and you, you get to let people help you. Um, and just let us drag you through this until you can crawl, until you can walk. Um, and there's lots of us. And so that's, I look at it almost like a relay race. That's the piece. That's my piece. I'm the, the front person. I, here's, you know, I have the situation, little library at home that I have books and, um, I wear the serenity bracelet and I have thousands of these and, um, I'm the front person. I introduce the concept that, and that it's going to be okay. Um, and then I have other people that attend meetings regularly. And so it's like, I pass them off and introduce them. And the beautiful thing about people that are in recovery, um, they're so open and willing. It's such, yeah. once you've crossed over, um, God, it's heaven. Um, and to be, and I know that. And so 
What do you I, think is the biggest block about crossing over? What do you think is the biggest? <sighs> is there a word for it? It just. What is the nobody biggest? Nobody wants it. It's like, again, our culture, we've created a fascination. You know, it's like wineries and it, it looks so beautiful and all the cool people. And it, it's like. Like how cigarettes used to be cool? I, I guess. And, I and sure, I get it. I, I get it. I um, But a lot of us, a very large percentage of the population, are genetically vulnerable to it. And again, it's not, in a weird way, if prevention could work, maybe more people would actually get to, and we wouldn't have crisis, as many crises as we see today, um, an indirect crisis that drug and alcohol problems create. Um, Maybe people wouldn't even like it. Right. And, or they're, we're not fixated on it. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things, <clears throat> again, prevention. Um, it's trying to help and support and give young people the information so that they can make educated um, and, and decisions that will best support them. Mm-hmm. And by the time, if we could help and give them all the supports they need until they're 21, 25 is ideal. Uh, and, but they probably won't care. Yeah. They could, you know, at 25 years old, they can go to a winery and actually taste the wine and not have a fascination with getting more wine after, or I don't want to taste it. I just want to drink it. And then doing crazy stuff. Cause again, some people, the strain, it's like the minute drugs and alcohol are on board, no filters, everything's gone, no boundaries, all hell breaks loose, you know? So, yeah. They're so identifying back. To, um, that's a good point too. Uh, the different looks of alcoholism. Oh. So you say you're binge one. Yeah. I'm a binge user. What else is there? It's the daily use, you know, the like people use. that can't live without it. Start at five o'clock and, sit in their chair and and just there's a heaviness like families know when it's off um it it, it, god it's it's like families know when it's off when something is amiss and um if there are arguments about it and why can't why why can't you just have one um I, I used I still find it fascinating. My husband will go somewhere and it's a business thing and in his brain he's like, oh, I'm only gonna have a glass of wine and then and I'm like, and did you? Well yeah. I'm like, God, that's fascinating. Like that that's another trigger. It's it's um like if I tell myself I'm not gonna have sugar today, well I'm not gonna have sugar today. Like and then it's the thought is over. And so people that tell themselves I'm not drinking today or this month I'm not drinking. Or what about I'm only going to have a drink a day? Right. It's like, why? Why would you? Because you're thinking about that. It's like, you don't have to think about that. Let's talk about why you're having that thought. Yeah. It's. Sounds like a lot of this is prevention. It it is. It's just. So in that world of alcoholism and addiction and all that stuff, like what percentage is prevention before it becomes addiction because that's a good question prevention um is it's so important and it starts at the very very beginning of someone's life 
Um, and right now, it's really important because so we're at a deficit because we don't talk about it. Right. And it's gone way out of hand. Yes. Right. And so we're in, in that window in, of time in history where we have to dig ourselves out. Mm-hmm. We have to, again, prevention is the cure. And until well, we understand, it needs to be knowing where to go for help. So we're in right. that prevention right now needs to be when you are in crisis, you need to know where to go for help. Mm. And instead of Googling really fast, frantically, oh, how am I going to do this? It's It should it should come quickly. Like, you know, I, I families that... Um, are experiencing this I encourage them talk about it do not sit and try to hide it yeah it's like people need to start talking about it because if you can talk about it I promise you when you're standing you know with a bunch of moms and you're like yeah my son when he was 16 had to blah 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 and I had to put a fine wilderness there's a mother standing there going I, I need can I talk to you so we have to share it. Yeah. People need to know where to go for help and what the process, because it is a process, just like yeah, any do, other disease. You, you do bring that up a lot. Uh, yes. The process and prevention. Yep. It's just, it's understanding it. Uh, and, and, and it's helping our children from a very young age mm-hmm. um, know how to protect themselves and to protect not from a bad thing, just a thing, just a thing, mm-hmm. and to be able to help and support themselves and their friends um, to have a voice yep. for themselves. And just to be calm about it and for a young person to be able to say to their friend, hey, there's this person or this text number or just and, – and to be able to – I always say to them, I need you to say the words without judgment, without um, – yeah, you may cry. Your voice may shake. That's okay. It's because It's because you care about these people. Um, but I need you to be courageous because more often than not in this arena, fear is going to jump in and try to tell you, no, it's none of your business. You know, mind your own business. That is not true. Like defensiveness. So defensiveness is fear? Yes. It's like, and anger. I mean, all that stuff. We quickly jump into defending and how dare you mind your own business. It's like, I'm doing this because I care. It's the opposite. And so it's it's being able to say to each other, it's not from judgment, because it's not really. It's it's because I really care about this person yeah. and something's off. And um and again, it's fear is powerful and sometimes we have to do it afraid. We have to. Um I had an amazing opportunity um a- about a year or so ago. I one of my high school friends um, ugh, makes me cry, but he had said to me when we were young, Pam, you shouldn't drink. It uh, doesn't work. And of course, you know, as a teenager, I was angry because I just wanted to be like everyone else. Um, and a, uh, a year ago, I got this award and I'm standing up there and he came because he wanted to celebrate it with me. And I was able you know, in front of hundreds of people to be able to say to him, Craig, thank you. Oh. You had the courage as a child to yeah. say to me, Pam, and today I stand, you know, sober and, you know, just open to recovery school in an alternative peer group. 
and not in a million years. And to have Craig sitting there in the audience and to be able to say to him, thank you. Yeah. Your words were are part of my story. They were planted in me that I was different, but different is not bad. It's just different. Yeah. And it's okay. But again, overall, it's like trying to say to these young people, as much information as I can toss at you um, and that you guys can toss at each other, this generation could change the landscape. They, Because they won't have stigma going into it. They'll be able to identify, you know, people that they date and love. And, and again, I just, overall, I try to encourage them. It's not, please take judgment out of your voice, out of, don't have a tone or an attitude when you say it. Um, And if you cry, it's okay. But I need you to say the words and be able to help and point people in the right direction and that it's okay. You know, and it's not, it's not those kids. I'm those kids. And I know a lot of those kids and they are exceptional people. They're exceptional humans doing amazing things, but we have to be kind to each other about it. Because again, change feels awkward. And the person who suffers, have they've been thinking about this most of their life. Well, when and you it's say it's going to take forever to change it. When you say too, like uh, one of the things that you say to all of who come to you too is, "Welcome to the club." Oh, have yeah. you always felt this? You've you've felt different up until this point, mm-hmm. haven't you? Yep. That is so. That's a pretty powerful statement too. To to think about it like that, I feel like that's pretty cool. Yeah. And it's, again, it's welcoming them home. Yeah. It's welcoming them home. Everything you desire, it's right here, you know, and you just have to come through and it's going to feel like I can't do that. I, I don't think I want to, but it's like, yes, you do. Yes, you do. And now you're going to start listening to yourself and all the, again, the deep feels that we have, it's like, we're going to start listening now. You know what? I just had a thought. You are like the talking conscience to somebody. Like I hope you're <laughs> verbal. Like this is what, like if you show up to someone's doorstep, this is what you're thinking right now. Right. This is what you're going to do. This is what your, your brain is going to tell you. This is what, you know, yeah. I mean, that is powerful. It's supernatural. It's supernatural. That is just, yes. I love that. I love that you can actually be that for someone because it's, it is more than just showing up. You're actually like, being someone's brain and like because there is so much confusion oh yeah yeah you know in the disease it's the cunning baffling it's um in the end i think it's biblical it's uh it is it's welcoming people to come and see it's like it's real what's happening to you is real um because again it's baffling and it likes to move when it when you think oh no 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 i I can do it this time. It's like, no, you can't. And, you know, come to come this way so that we can show you a different way. And uh, there's lots of us. I mean, that's what's amazing. I love going out in public and seeing my tribe members just doing their thing. And it, it, I don't know. It's to be able to make eye connection with someone who I know is in the thick of it, too. It's like, I see you. Yeah. And, and we got this. Um and there's something cool about it. And, you know, and then, again, the best part is prevention. You know, I with my children, um, I have a 21-year-old, a 19-year-old, and a 14-year-old. Um, 
I just, I do what I do. So the world will be different for them. Yeah. And that it won't hold them. I mean, and I use their dad as an example. It's like dad was able to identify at a young age, um, whatever the drink was, didn't work for his dad. And so he chose to not jump in. It was like, I'm not doing that because something is off with my dad. And, um, he's normal. It's like, he didn't, he didn't grab hold of it and think, Oh, this is, he thought it was bad and negative. Whereas I didn't, I didn't even think I just jumped right in and, um, my father is deceased and I'm sober. It's like, well, yeah. that didn't work well. So, um, I look at my kids and I'm like, do it like dad did. You know, you don't want to do it like I did. And, you know, for my children, I'm always like, well, I pray that you're, that you'll never have to think about it. But because I'm your mom, yeah, I'll come for you like the yeah. hounds of hell, you know, because right. I know it's a battle to the death and uh, I'm willing to fight. So. And my kids are always like, I know, I, know. <laughs> I roll. <laughs> so, but it, I love it. And it's, um, the blessing is mine. Yeah. And well, it, it shows. And I, I get to war with supernatural things. Yeah. You're a guns a blazing, man. <laughs> You're a guns a blazing, fierce pierce. It's yeah. And anyone can call me. Anyone, did you hear that? We're Anyone in. can call you. And it doesn't, we are not limited to Oregon. We're not limited to the United States. Nope. It is, um, you know, if you need, if you need help, it is there. If you're listening to this, it is here. And if you have any questions, any doubts, any um, direction, any, anything, the tools and the, the availabilities here, we'll have all the websites yep. that you can get in contact with phone numbers and whatnot. And, and information as far as, uh, how to educate your kids on prevention. Um, you know, there are, we do have other resources. So, uh, Pam, thank you for, thank you for just coming here and talking with I me and, and to all of us really. And you really are a treasure. So thank you so much. Thank you. You've been listening to This Topical Life with Tiffany Murphy. Available through Podbean, iTunes, and Google Play. Look for us on Instagram and Facebook. Donations to help support This Topical Life can be made through Patreon at patreon.com front slash thistopicallife. Likes and comments are always appreciated. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time for more Real Conversation. Real exploration, real life stories on this topical life, because life ain't a vacation. <laughs>